20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pack-A-Day Podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Ross, I was talking to you just earlier today, you know, asking, what are some topics we can talk about? They haven't played since Thursday, and your response was was truthfully just, I don't have much to talk about. I'm just sad. And you know what? I think a lot of Packers fans are in the same boat as you right now, Ross, and that's why... Let's make a rule for this podcast. No negativity today on the show, you know, because in every thunderstorm cloud is a silver lining. And we're just going to talk about silver linings today. So, Ross, besides being sad, how else are you doing, man? I mean, life is great. Uh, It's finally getting to be North Dakota in North Dakota. It's freezing cold outside, uh, which is, you know, a little bit annoying, but we are in the in the new house, I'm coming to you live from the new studio and home, and uh, you know we're 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 pleased with the decision for a uh, fully enclosed three car garage. It makes me very very happy that I get into a warm pickup every morning. So you, you said you have a heated garage because I, I don't know if our listeners know this, but I actually was born and raised in North Dakota myself, and actually I'm heading up there on Wednesday, so that's that's not pleasant news to know that it's cold, but it is expected. So you, you have a heated garage, Ross? It's not heated. It's enclosed and it's attached to the home. So it's a good 20 to 25 degrees warmer than it is outside. Uh, and and there's never any wind, obviously. So it, it, it makes a huge difference. Oh, that's a game changer. Yeah. And people, you know, people in North Dakota, know that. people in Wisconsin know that as well. But yeah, if you can get an attached garage, that that is an absolute game changer. That's a, that's another just another silver lining, Ross, in your life right now. So that's great. But Ross, I want to give you this, the, 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 the floor. And I, I kind of figure, you know, I'll let you have one. We'll talk about what your silver lining on this season is so far, and then I'll take one. Um, and for those of us that don't know what a silver lining is, I'm sure most of us do. But let's just kind of talk about things from this season that are things that the Packers can really build upon moving forward. Because this really, season so far has not gone as really anyone would expect it. And it's a really, it, it is really easy to kind of just get down and and not be – as excited about this team, but there are still um, things about this team that are absolutely exciting. And there are things that uh, moving forward, we can be excited about. So Ross, uh, what is your very first silver lining about this 2018 Green Bay Packers team? Well, I mean, I think it has to be the draft class, right? You, you have, uh, you know, I think potentially a 2017 Saints possibility here where you just get multiple long-term uh, productive level players from this class. And we talked a little bit about, you know, this, the last time we got together, but I think that has to be the silver lining is if you felt like Thompson was slipping and I think, you know, that is, is overblown, but it, it's not the level that it was, you know, when, when Green Bay was winning championships and they were winning 15 games, you know, it's, it's, it's not as good as it used to be. So if that was one of your concerns, I think you really have to feel good about uh, what went on. You've got, a, a, I think, you know, a, a superstar in Jair Alexander that seems to be pretty clear, uh, ranked as one of the top 10 corners in all of football, uh, the number one rookie corner in all of football. And that, you know, for, for, for a guy in the mid rounds to 
or mid round, excuse me, mid round, not mid rounds, but mid first round to already offer that kind of potential, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And then I think you have, you know, basically a guaranteed starter in Marquez uh, Valdez Scantling. That's, uh, excuse me, Marquez Valdez Scantling, but he, he looks like, you know, an absolute knock him dead guaranteed starter. Uh, you've got a, a guaranteed starter in Hunter Bradley, a guaranteed starter in J.K. Scott, and and a guy that I think once they let Randall Cobb go is pretty much a guaranteed starter in Equinemia St. Brown. And I'm not saying this because uh, they can't, you know, start anybody else or they have nobody else to start. I'm saying this is, and I think that's the level of player that these guys are. And anytime you can get, you know, that level of player, uh, you, you got to be really excited about that. And, and I would expect maybe two starters out of a very good draft. They're already beyond that without even mentioning um, athletic freaks and high upside guys like Josh Jackson, Jamon Moore, and Oren Burks. If all three of those guys completely flame out, this is still an incredibly successful draft class. So I think that's one silver lining is it looks like the guy uh, who is now buying the groceries is 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 good at his job and it's a small sample size but uh he learned from one of the greatest of all time and now he uh needs to go find himself uh i think probably a better chef yeah i love that i love that analogy goody knows how to pick a watermelon man he really does and you actually took my very first one that's that's what i was gonna say and i think that's clearly the most obvious one is uh, this draft class looks solid, but also, you know, the thing with, with Thompson in his last few classes, you know, he wasn't drafting superstars either. Like aside from Kenny Clark, who's going to, he is a stud, but Jair's got that stud potential already and he's already realizing it. So I think that's uh, something that we can look forward uh, to, not just because this draft class is good, because like exactly what you just said, the guy making the picks looks to be more than adequate. Um, and, uh, you know, he, I think he's going to get a chance to pick, you know, his guy this year at uh, coach as well. At least it, it would appear it's trending that direction. So that'll be uh, something interesting as well to kind of keep tabs on. You know, the other day, Ross, I was kind of just thinking to myself, you know, Packers Twitter has not ever gone through a head coaching change. So I would expect it to just be absolute chaos if that does, in fact, happen. But we're not talking about negative things today. Um, even though ultimately that will be a positive thing, I believe. So my uh, my silver lining, though, for this year has, uh, you know, obviously my first one was the draft class. You took that. So I'm going to go ahead and steal Mike Pettin. I think, you know, as Packers fans, we have gotten so used to mediocrity at the defensive side of the ball um, that, you know, our expectations were pretty low coming into this season anyways for Mike Pettin. And I think the first few games, people were kind of like, okay, yeah, here's more of the same. But truthfully, um, I'm, I'm really impressed with what I've seen, especially, especially because of what he's been able to get out of some of the guys on that defense. But with, you know, with Dom Capers, his defense was very much predicated on creating, creating turnovers, you know, which is great when you have, you know, when you have the horses in the stable to do that. But obviously we, we don't really have those guys and, and we didn't, but some are kind of starting to develop. But Mike Pettin's defense is very much predicated on getting off the field. And something that the Packers have been really good at this year is getting off the field, especially on third downs. Um, 
I mean, for there was a point in time in the Patriots game that Tom Brady threw seven straight incompletions, and that was very much that was very much uh, to Mike Pettin's credit. So um, he's someone that I'm I'm very excited about moving forward. And Ross, we've talked about this, and I know you've talked about this. I think it should go without saying that if the Packers do make a coaching change, it is under the under it is within the understanding that Mike Pettin will be your defensive coordinator. And if you can't work with Mike Pettin, you will not be the head coach of this football team. Um, I kind of think, at least I hope that's kind of the mindset they go into there with. But Mike Pettin, for me, would be my very first silver lining from this uh, this 2018 season. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're going to talk about the guys that are popular, and and I'm not, you know, making fun of anybody or uh, making fun of the popular choices because my list looks pretty, you know, much like general consensus. You know, Lincoln Riley at the top. Uh, Filippo is DiFilippo, excuse me, is definitely in there. Matt LaFleur is a guy, you know, and if it's one of those three where it's a offensive, you know, young guy that comes from the same tree of the Shanahan, McVay, Peterson, the the successful new age offenses, if you will. But a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience, which none of those guys do. Then I think Patton, you know, provides a number of things. Uh, experience as a head coach, um, w- which is something that, you know, none of, of those guys would have as well as, you know, excellence coordinating defense. And uh, make no mistake, the Packers are not an elite defense. I mean, they, they aren't. They uh, are, are good enough uh, with the, the 2012, the 2014, certainly the 2016 versions of this offense. Uh, they'd be good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, you know, that's not what the 2018 Packers are. That's not the kind of offense that these guys are, are putting out there. So uh, Petten is buying enough chances for the Packers to win. The offense just, just isn't getting it done. So I think you're exactly right in that it definitely should be a, a requisite for any new coach to, you know, uh, Hire Petten now. If it's John Harbaugh, uh, if it's Bruce Arians, God help us all. Then you you kind of can't make those demands. But uh, if it's Lincoln Riley, I think you absolutely can put that on the table. Ross, I I, I gotta ask you because I because I'm a Bruce Arians guy, and I, I like what he did in Arizona. I think the the type of offense that he like he assembled there with just kind of pressing defenses, chucking the ball around, throwing the ball deep. I, I really like that. But real quick, and let's just get off subject a little bit. You're not a Bruce Arians fan at all. Like you're like borderline. Like if you like him, that's insane. So talk, talk to me about that. Talk, talk, tell me why I shouldn't be excited about Bruce Arians. Look, I, I'm not, I, I don't hate Bruce Arians. I just, he doesn't accomplish anything of what you need to accomplish, which is, figuring out a guy that can get you through the Rodgers years into the next. Because if you're hiring a coach and the way that the Packers do it, the way that the Steelers do it, the way the cornerstone franchises, and I'm not talking like junk franchises like the Bears and the Vikings and the Lions. I'm talking about cornerstone franchises in this league. They have tenure with coaches. They allow these guys to build and set up a program. 
Bruce Arians is too damn old to set up a program. He's 66. And I, I, I look, I think he's a good coach. I, I don't have a problem with him. Uh, I just, he, he is he's 66 years old. He, I think, you know, gets a little bit more credit than he deserves. Again, a good coach, but a lot of this comes from uh, being cool. And I think that that's, you might make fun of me for saying that it's real. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, um, uh, the, the stuff that was on the, the Amazon web series or, or whatever, the all or nothing, he gets a lot off of that. I think, um, you know, he, some of his interviews that he's done, the hat that he wears again, <laughs> the Kangol or the, what's that thing called? Yeah, the Kangol, right. You're, that's just funny to me that you said cool and Kangle in the same thing. Like but, but that's the thing is he is so dang cool that he's badass enough where no one gives him any grief for that thing. That's he, true. He is that cool. And so, look, I think he's competent. If they hire him, whatever. I just, if they hire him, there better be, you know, Matt LaFleur coming in as an associate head coach, offensive coordinator, or... Um, you know, John DeFilippo coming in as associate head coach, offensive coordinator, somebody that they know when this guy turns 70, you know, that the, uh, the next guy is going to be ready to go. That's my issue. Because if you think Rogers is going to play till he's 41 or 42 years old, we're still talking about a six or seven year thing here. And for, for them to have to go through a head coaching transition, I think you're short-sighted, and and you don't have to hire Lincoln Riley. You don't have to look for the next Sean McVay. The guy doesn't have to be 35, but I just don't think he should be 66. That's fair. No, that's fair. Um, and like, so my my counterpoint to that would be basically hitting on what you kind of said the Packers won't do, and I, I do agree with you in that in this regard. But my thing is. It, you know, it, Packers fans love to complain about wasting Aaron Rodgers' career. And to me, Bruce Arians would be like a put your chips in the middle of the table saying, hey, you know what, if this guy can give us five years, if we think he's the guy that can do that for just five years, whatever. You know, but the, the, obviously the structure would need to be, let's go out and get a, a, you know, a Matt LaFleur. Or let's see if he can bring in like a Brian Leftwich or you know some like some young kind of up-and-coming offensive coordinator that may be the coach in waiting. But we're off the rails, Ross, anyway. So it's, it is your turn, Ross. So we've covered the draft class. We've covered Mike Pettin. Um, so we're kind of digging deep into the barrel now for this team. But what would be so our third silver lining thing about this season? For me, it's, it's the general, and this is going to drive people insane because I'm going to say something nice about Ted Thompson here. It is the uh, general excellence of which this team was left for Gutekunst. And what I mean by that is even though they did the, uh, the big, the big deal for, for Rogers and they got him uh, locked up, they are still likely to uh, roll over, you know, $10 million in salary cap space, which you're going to be looking at 48 million in cap space next year. You've got 73 million in cap space the year after that. I mean, they're in really, really solid financial shape, even with big, big cap numbers 
coming from from Aaron Rodgers and, and kind of coming from Devontae Adams. But David Bakhtiari's deal is an absolute steal. Um, of course, Jair Alexander's deal is an absolute steal because he's on a rookie contract. They're top guys uh, that aren't Rodgers. And frankly, I think Rodgers is kind of a steal. Like if he was, if he was on the open market, you know, what, what would you give him on a one-year deal? 40 million bucks. And, and I'm, I'm kind of not joking about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a thing that could happen. So this, this team has substantial resources with which to play for the next two to three years. And those resources can come even more substantial because you've got a lot of that money tied up in Nick Perry. And I think if, if you, you know, can, can move on from Nick Perry or completely restructure his deal, uh, even ask him to take a pay cut to stay on the team, you have even more flexibility. I mean, I, I really think this team could be in the market for like a Jadavian Clowney or one of the guys that is at the very tip top of the free agent market. And, and if you added to Jadavian Clowney and you have a mid first round pick and the saints pick all of a sudden you could have two brand new bookends to uh, pair with Kyler Sackrell going into <laughs> next season. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's, I'm going to segue right into that. You know, who do we want to pair with the all pro Kyler Fackrell? I mean, the, the options are limitless. Like you talk about a Jadavian Clowney out there and Anthony Ball, possibly. So um, that actually leads me right into my, my second silver lining. And that is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Kyler Fackrell, who all of a sudden yeah, they need to get his extension done before he becomes expensive. Right. Yeah. Well, is he, is he, he's, he's got one year left, right? After this. Uh, is that right? Was this is this his third year in the pros? I think so. He's like okay, twenty six yeah. or twenty seven. Yeah. He's old. He was an older rookie. Okay, but yeah, then, then he's got one more. Then he's got one more year under contract. Never mind. I mean, they could do an extension for him now, but that would be that would be something else. Well, but 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 seriously though, Ross, like this is a guy that I mean, all the Packers, all the Packers, he was he was a joke. You know, Brady Papinga went on the record like. Four weeks ago, saying he could suit up and wear the number 51 and be more productive than this guy. And when he said that, no one really thought – no no one thought he was dumb. Like, no, everyone was just kind of like, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and Papinka was up in my mentions two weeks ago too. And, I, I mean, I think Kyler at this point might have more career sacks than Brady just this season. I, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but I don't know if Pop has eight sacks to his name. I don't think he did. Well, they, I don't think they weren't playing a, a three, four for a lot of his career, but, um, but, and, but, you know, you saw the stats, like the, what was it? It was, you know, guys with multiple sack games. It's like Clay Matthews, Reggie White, KGB, uh, Tim Harris, I believe. And then Kyler Fackrell. And so my point I'm trying to make here is, just you know, someone coming from that low into into Packers Twitter, Packers fandom doghouse, into turning himself into and Ross, I, you know, maybe it's a flash in the pan, but the that last game, he was those were legit pass rush moves. I mean, this guy is bending the edge; he's playing with his hair on fire all of a sudden. So it's like, what got into this guy, and what why that's my silver lining is because. In this game that we like to watch, that that just gives you hope that no matter how low you are, no matter 
how out you are. You can still pull a Kyler Fackrell, and all of a sudden, you know, things can turn on a dime in this sport. And that could be an individual player. That could be a team. Um, So that gives me, you know, that even gives me a glimmer of hope for this team still. The fact that someone as, 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 you know, drug through the dirt as Kyler Fackrell could all of a sudden legitimately become one of their best defensive players in this, in the span of like four or five weeks, you know, a lot can happen. There's still six games left this season. Who freaking knows what can go on in these last six games. This is a crazy league. It, the, the NFC is still pretty wide open. So that's my silver lining um, is Kyler Fackrell, just because the hope that that can give all Packers fans that, you know what, no matter how bleak it may look, we are not out of this thing. Kyler Fackrell wasn't, neither are we. Yeah, and, I, you know, the, if you pay attention to, like, pro football fo- focus, they really graded that one out as one of the best picks of that draft, and, and their college grading, I think, began it, during Kyler's last season in, in college, and he graded out as one of the top edge defenders in the country. Uh, his pro career... Don't get me wrong. Started out poorly. That was not, uh, you know, the people that made fun of Kyler Fackrell were not just, you know, hive mind or or whatever. There there was some nasty stuff that got put on tape, and I don't mean nasty in a good way at all. I mean, legitimate embarrassing stuff that got put on film. And you're right. He has completely transformed what he is as a football player. And it wouldn't be the first time that that happened, you know, for a for a third year pro. And you just have to be proud of Fackrell and, and, you know, excited for the future. So, and I was kind of thinking, I got a couple names in my head, but I was wanted to see what you, what you have to say about this. Because with pass rushers, it, it kind of seems like, you know, if, you kind of can tell right away, you know, in, in, in certain regards to, is this guy, does this guy have any juice or not? And you can, I think you can definitely tell in their second year. And it's, I, I don't know what the numbers are on it, but, Kyler Fackrell is an outlier if all of a sudden he becomes a legit threat as a pass rusher in his third year. Because can you name can you name some guys that it's taken them three years to develop to all of a sudden be, you know, to go from how bad he was to how good he's playing right now? Yeah, you'd be surprised, actually, I think, if you if you really did the research. I did that one year uh, just to kind of see, like, where where the uh, it takes guys the longest wide receiver it takes a long time uh running back it doesn't take a long time often offensive line uh are are upgrades like right away as opposed to having to kind of wait on them to develop pass rush is actually one of those things where if you're not just one of those you talked about the juice if you're not one of those just freak athletes that uh you know are gonna just bend the edge or bull rush which whichever one you do see like significant improvement from, from year to year. A guy that I think you definitely want to look at as far as like development as a pass rusher is, is actually Nick Barry. Uh, you, you want to look at his first three years in the league. There is a decided uh, ascension, you know, from what he was able to do. Now, a lot of that has to do with staying healthy. Right. But if, if you're not a guy that, like I said, just whips around the edge, the technique that it takes to actually beat offensive NFL tackles does take a little while to – uh, you know, generally master. 
And that's true. And I think if you look at his first couple of years, you know, I would really have to study this, especially with Kyler. But just for, at first glance, it looks like his hand placement has been so much better the last few weeks. And and that can really go a long way as far as looking like you have any type of power. Just because before that he would get, I mean, you like you said, he just would get tossed around like a ragdoll. But the guy I was actually thinking of was, was Jerry Hughes, um, who, you know, it took him, you know, quite a while to develop and all of a sudden you know he he ends up with a new team and he's he's a double digit sack guy so that was one guy that came to mind other guys like like a like a James Harrison type that bounced around the league was undrafted and all of a sudden you know you you know uh, unbelievable how if you give a guy some time to develop sometimes they do just that you know they develop um but so he's you know he's my guy he's he's (laughs) it's funny because you know you talk about silver linings and, you know, fortunately as Packers fans, we haven't had to go through a lot of seasons where, you know, you kind of stop con- concerning yourself with wins and losses and you kind of start getting excited just to watch certain players on your team. Um, and it's just kind of funny how Kyler Fackerel has kind of become a guy like that for me. That's, you know, you go into the game and think, well, I don't think we really have a shot at winning this, but I'm excited to watch Kyler Fackerel. Um, so um, so that's that's my silver lining. That's my last one I got. Um, Ross, I don't know if you got anything else that you want to add, but this is kind of a short one for us. Yeah, it is, and I, I'll just say this. If you are kind of an absolutist Packers fan, and I am, I mean, there's no question about it. I view, I view every season they don't win the championship as a failure, and, and that is, uh, you know, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, it doesn't matter. So if, if that's what you, 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 the way you think, um, then, then this season is, is, is like last, which is that they're going to get to pick higher than they normally get to pick. Uh, they probably weren't going to win the championship anyway. So picking higher in the draft and frankly, replacing the head coach or, or getting to a position where they finally understand they need to replace the head coach, change the message, change the, the X's and O's a little bit. I mean, this all gets you closer to the next Lombardi tri- trophy in green Bay a lot more than uh, losing in the second round of the playoffs and picking 26 than keeping Mike McCarthy does. So if, if you want to talk about that kind of like the ultimate silver lining, that I think is the ultimate silver lining in that a, a season like this actually gets you more talent and actually gets you uh, closer to, to where you need to be. Yeah. I mean, look at the, you know, the new New Orleans saints right now, they've gone through, three seasons of being seven and nine, getting higher draft picks and starting and hitting on those picks. And, you know, now a 38 year old Drew Brees is out there playing probably the best football of his life. So you're a hundred percent right there. Um, and the Rams, the Rams were bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's with Jared Goff. That's why he's there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's tough. You know, it's tough with the perennial all pro quarterbacks when you have those high picks all the time. So, um, and that, you know, really you could say that's the ultimate silver line too, is, you know, number 12 still plays for the Packers, but, there's the, you go deep down in that rabbit hole, but and we won't do that today. Um, but other than that, um, speaking of, uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, a guy, Ross, that you're, you will be familiar with and talking about the guys developing. I saw the pro football focus, all, all, te- all, all, what all week team and our dude, Billy Turner, North Dakota state bison made the team this week. So I wanted to give him a shout out. Um, that was awesome to see. Um, so other than that, though, uh, we don't have anything else. Uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, thank you guys always for listening. Make sure you give us a subscri- uh, subscribe on 
you know, whatever platform you listen to and give us a five-star rating. If you, if you could do that for us, we would really appreciate it. Um, that's all Ross and I got for you today. Um, thank you for listening. And as always, go Pack Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over and gets the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over. Starts to his left. Now he moves. Starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, ran.